This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome in to the Autzen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. And on today's podcast, we're taking a quick break from football. And that's because we need to preview uh, the women's basketball tournament, which is held at the Michelob Ultra Arena Mandalay Bay Events Center in Las Vegas. Uh, I've actually been in that arena. Very nice. Uh, it, it's a little bit smaller. It's more intimate than T-Mobile. Uh, I think this is probably a perfect environment for the women's basketball tournament in Las Vegas. Uh, good facilities, uh, good amenities. Everything about it is is really good. And uh, the Ducks go into this one as the two seed. Uh, they We'll play the winner of UCLA-USC, which kicks off Wednesday, the first round of the Pac-12 tournament. Um, real quick, guys, let's just – synopsis, like if you could give us just a 30-second thought each on just the season at hand. They're 19-10. and 10, uh, They are 11-6 and 6 in conference play. They lost three times at home. Um, some big wins, some, some big losses, just – Going in, your thoughts on this team going into the tournament? Well, I think this team is not what normal Kelly Graves teams are. They're better defensively, I think, statistically than most teams. You look at where they are in the advanced metrics for the Pac-12 and conference play. They're top three in basically all of them. But this is a team that in past years you think, and you think, man, dynamic offenses, great three-point shooting teams, uh, fantastic <laughs> turnover ratio, these guards that really move the ball around. And like, I was just looking at this before we jumped on. Oregon is 10th in the Pac-12 in three-point shooting in Pac-12 games this year at 31%, which is like 10% worse than it normally is. I mean, they've been shooting over 40% several times when Sabrina was here. Um, and then in terms of assists, I think they were ninth. So um, this is just a little bit of a different team. Um, you know, they're probably a little bigger than teams in the past have been in terms of their size. Um, and defensively, like they stack up with just about anybody in the conference. In fact, I was surprised, like you match them up with Arizona, which for years has been known as one of the best defensive teams out West. And like Oregon is ahead of them in a couple defensive metrics and conference play. So, um, they've been winning games, but they do it a little differently. And I think the three point percentage points to some of the inconsistency of they can go 0 for 16, like they did in a win against Cal. And then they can go seven for 17 in a game, you know, that they really, they, that they went handily. So you just kind of don't know going in each game. That's more than 30 seconds, but that's what I get. <laughs> it's all right. I'll, I'll probably go more than 30 seconds as well. Um, yeah, but I mean, Eric, you hit on it all. It's just a very inconsistent team. Uh, it's definitely not like Kelly Graves teams in the past. Like Eric was mentioning, there's no one single ball dominant guard who kind of orchestrates the offense and get things moving. 
Um, they are Sabali and Sedona Prince are good post presences, but they're not the same as a Ruthie Hebert. It's not an automatic bucket. Um, a lot of miss layups, things like that. Uh, the shooting, as Eric outlined, you know, 31% in conference games. It's just bad. It's just not it, – A, it's not up to the normal par that Kelly Grave-led teams are, but it's also just not good in general. And that 0 for 16 performance and, um, you know, I, I think for in the middle part where they played both the Arizonas uh, and that like four or five game stretch, I think they shot just barely over 30%. It was like 34 for 113, something like that. Um, and that's just the end of the end of the day. This team is kind of a grinded out winning team. Not necessarily we're going to score way more points than you like it has been in the past. Yeah. Um, they play hard nosed defense led by Maddie Shear. Uh, and India Rogers, um, their perimeter defense is good. It's definitely whoever they go against, it's going to be a grinded out. Uh, as we've seen for basically the last month, when Oregon does win, it's not normally by like 15 or 20 points. It's They might get up 15 or 20 points, <clears throat> but their offense may go stagnant for six minutes, and then all of a sudden it's a four-point game, and that's just how it works. Um, they've gotten a 19 and 10 overall. They have a buy in this tournament. They, you know, if they make a deep enough run, they'll still be in contention to host an NCAA game or NCAA tournament game, which in all, in all things considered and how the season started in terms of injuries, it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, losing your best three players for most of the first half of the season and finishing where they did is great, but it's just not what you expect to see from an Oregon team led by Kelly Graves with this talent that they've amassed in the last couple of years. Real quick, uh, Eric, injuries have plagued this team all season. Um, where are they going in to, to Vegas? Um, are there any injuries to be concerned about? I think we don't know entirely what Maddie Shear's availability will be. She didn't play really very much at all against Colorado after suffering, I think, an ankle injury um, and then didn't play at all against Utah in the season regular season finale. Kelly Graves said after the game, he was optimistic. He thinks that he said it was kind of precaution. By the way, Oregon will finally get a bit of a break here. I think another thing we haven't mentioned is Oregon played like 13 games in February to start the month. I mean, it was yeah. crazy how many games they played this last month. I guess we're now in March. Now. Um, but like they just played so many games. They now have a five-day break. Maybe that's enough time for her to get healthy. I think getting the bye probably helps a little bit with that. Um, but she, as, as Jared said, she's your best defender. She was an honorable mention. All Pac-12 defensive player this year. I think had a probably a, 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 I think had probably a case to be on that five-player team. But I digress. Um, yeah, I mean one of the better premier. I mean honestly, probably the best perimeter defender Oregon has had here since Maite. Um, I mean she really can get down and, and is aggressive and, and physical. So if she's not able to play, that could be a problem because you're, you're more than likely facing UCLA in that uh, quarterfinal game, and they have Charisma Osborne, who was rightfully so on that um, All Pac-12 team that was also released today. We should note that Andy Rogers, Dehina Papa, and Yara Sabali for Oregon, all three were also on it. Um, but Osborne's one of the toughest players to defend in the conference. And if you don't have Maddie Shear, that's that's difficult. I think she is going to play based upon what Graves said, but I don't expect her to be at 100%. And that's that's sort of a tough draw. Everyone else should be full health. Um, the players that missed a lot of the, I don't know, full health is maybe saying too much because I think Niara Sabali continues to deal with several injury things but she's i would imagine gonna give it a full go and try to play as many games as possible jared just your thoughts on how has in, the injuries impacted the i guess the potential the ceiling of this team because 
going into the Vegas, they're five and five in their last ten games. Um, but uh, they are they have suffered more losses than we've seen uh, the last couple of seasons under Kelly Graves. And how much of that is injuries? How much of that is just you know the inconsistency of this team playing? Well, I wouldn't put it to injuries for the last ten games because they've been relatively mostly healthy. Um, I know Niara Sabali sat at a game against Washington State, but they ended up winning that game by more than 50. Uh, Matty Shear drops against Utah or against Colorado, sits out for Utah, but Oregon still scratches out a win in that, in that victory. Um, but the injuries in terms of the general ceiling of the team really hurt at the early parts of the season. Um, I think Niara Sabali went down in game one and was kind of had a lingering knee issue for the next couple of weeks. Uh, India Rogers had a wrist injury where she was out until December. I believe she came back against Kansas State. Am I right, Eric? Yep. And so, yeah. And then Tahina Pau also had a lower leg injury where, where she was out for the first month and a half of the season. Um, so with those three players injured at the same time, that's, that's tough. Those are arguably your three best players, and I would say they're the three best players. Yeah. So Literally. when you look at the ceiling potential, you know, that hinders it from the very beginning. Um, Oregon also played a really hard out-of-conference schedule, which they should do and which they'll continue to do for years to come because they have, you know, risen to prominence in the women's college basketball level. And so that's what they need to do to keep maintaining that, uh, that idea that they're one of the top teams in the country. But it hurts when your three best players are out. And, you know, we saw for a, a, a brief stretch in, in January where all three players came back and Sedona Prince was healthy and you know, Sydney Parrish and Maddie Shear, everybody was healthy for uh, that month of January. And, you know, they went on a good little stretch. And so you saw the, the potential there, but then it all kind of came crashing back down and it, and it wasn't really due to injury at all. It just seemed to be extremely inconsistent play on offense. Um, defense, I didn't, I didn't really ever feel like their defense was an issue. They always kept themselves within games. They never, they were never really blown out. Um, there are only, a, but there were plenty of games where they they should have blown out the opposing team. Like Oregon was just a better on paper. They played better. They just couldn't hit a shot. Whatever the case may be, um, there's no real immediate bucket getter that they have on this team in terms of somebody you can just give the ball to and they can create an open shot for themselves uh, more often than not. And so I think. Injuries in terms of ceiling effects at the start of the season, of course, but the inconsistent play for the last month and a half, last six weeks has really, you know, taken them to, well, where at one point you probably thought that they could make a deep run in, in March. And at this point it's, well, we just want them to, you know, at least host a, a regional game for the tournament. Eric, just going into this tournament now, they're the two seed. They're they're, you know, they weren't picked to win the league, but if I remember right, they were picked in the top two or three. They're picked um, second, so they're they're right on cue with the expectations, um, possibilities. I mean, expectations for this team probably is to win it all, right? I mean, what? How do we view a successful tournament uh, in in Las Vegas for the women? I think it would be really impressive if they beat Stanford for a championship. Stanford hasn't lost to a Pac-12 team, and I think. 13 months they've won like 31 straight games against conference teams oh, so that would be i mean and we should know they play stanford really really hard 
and, and, and probably and had a lot of opportunities to win that game about 10 days ago. Um, and if you ask me, like, there's two or three calls here or there that didn't go Oregon's way. There are two or three possessions that were really close to, I think, resulting in different outcomes that don't go that way. But that's how basketball is played. Um, so I think Oregon can contend with Stanford if they reach a championship, for sure. Um, the bracket is as favorable as it could be. Oregon lost six games in Pac-12 play. All, all six of those games that they lost were to teams on the Stanford side of the bracket. That means that they are undefeated. They were 7-0 against teams on their side of the bracket. That includes Washington State, which this is still, to me, Jared, one of the most bizarre things, is that they, without Niara Sabali, who I think is their best player, they beat Washington State in Pullman by 53 points, and then Washington State, I think, won out and is now third and finished tied with Oregon in the standings at 11-6. and six. Um, It is bizarre to me that Oregon, in theory, if everybody plays out, will play a semifinal game to play Stanford in the championship against a team they beat by over 50 points. Uh, <laughs> it really doesn't make any sense. Um, so I think, I mean, I think the expectation should be they play in the championship game. I don't think the expectation should be they beat Stanford. If they beat Stanford, they completely solidify hosting um, the opening games in Eugene. They will. They, by the way, and I, I was a little surprised by this. ESPN's Charlie Cream came out with his latest bracket predictions and, and has Oregon as a four seed hosting games in Eugene after beating Utah. I thought they needed to do more to get there. Um, I think if they beat, say, UCLA, who will probably beat USC in that opening game, but that could be pretty competitive, and then they beat I'm expecting it to be Washington State, but it could also be Utah, who Oregon won both games against this year as well. If they win those two games, if they reach the final, I think Oregon hosts. I think expecting them to beat Stanford is is a big ask. I do think they can compete and, like, shoot. Or if Oregon plays its very best basketball, they can beat Stanford, but it's really asking a lot considering how much of a roller coaster this their season has gone, really, for this team. Jared, just wild card factor. If, if that's going to happen for Oregon – um, what is it an upset I mean, if Oregon wins the whole thing uh, or for it is, is it Stanford getting up that um, I guess just what's your wild card factor going into this one uh, for, for Oregon if Oregon beats Stanford it is clearly an upset you know Stanford's been a top five team in the country all year long they pulverized Oregon in Stanford earlier way earlier in the season um, they really kept it close like Eric was saying 10 days ago um, you know, Stanford and South Carolina are probably the national title favorites. Um, if you're if you're someone who who bets, those are pretty surefire bets, just because of the pedigree that both coaches have at this point, the talent that the rosters have amassed. Um, they're good squads, and Stanford is the clear favorite to win this tournament. Um, I think if if Oregon pulls off the upset, um, it'll have to be from shooting. They yeah. just they have to make perimeter jump shots. They I don't think they can uh, go inside and, and really, you know, Niara Sable has trouble with length, and that's all Cameron Brink has. I mean, well, she has plenty of other skills, believe me, but she's extremely long. She's going to give Niara Sable a lot of trouble on the inside. Same with Sedona yeah, Prince. Like the defensive player of the year, Jared, Cameron Brink. Right. That she, that's so, her calling. Yeah, and – so they have to hit perimeter jump shots. That means Sydney Parrish has to get going. If Maddie Shear is open, she has to take the shot A and she has to make the shot B. Um, you can rely on Tahina Pow Pow and India Rogers to at least take shots. They need to make them. Um, if Sabali can extend her range and take those 18, 16 foot jump shots that, that teams give her and makes them, that's going to be another added element. That frees up space for her on the low block. That frees up space for Sedona Prince on the low block. Um, it will take a lot for them 
to beat Stanford. I thought 10 days ago when they played Stanford, that was one of their better performances of the year, just from an overall team perspective, they still lost. So that shows, and Stanford came, came back too. I, I don't remember what Oregon was leading by in the fourth quarter, but I think it was Ten. double digits. Yep. Yeah. And they still came back and they still won. And so Oregon has to find an offensive flow. They have to stay into it. The, the, the rhythm in that game is extremely important. And, you know, from, from the Kelly Graves perspective, this is not the first big game that he would have been coaching in. He knows what to do. They, they have always played Stanford close. Stanford has always played them close. Um, and if Oregon gets there, I mean, first off, we have to mention that they have to get there first. Mm-hmm. And that is, as the two seed, that looks like an easy thing to do. And Eric just outlined how they're 7-0 against their side of the bracket. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I would not be surprised in the least bit if they made it to the championship game. That's where I would expect them to end up. But that Washington State game, although they beat them by 53, there's a chance that Oregon could lose by seven to them. It's it's that it's been that type of a season for this Ducks team, and you know you have to go in there optimistic with how they've been, how they have now have the five day layoff before they start to play. Maybe people can get healthy and they can find a little bit of a rhythm, but. If they get to the championship game against Stanford, it, it will be an upset. They'll have to go. They'll have to do a lot of things right, but I, it absolutely starts with perimeter shooting. They can hit shots. They can make a run. Yeah, you, you touched on it there, Jared. It just it, it's more than just Stanford. Um, Washington State. While Garrick pointed out, you know, Oregon has obliterated Washington State, but they are still a good team. Um, there's a potential that. UCLA, look, I know their program is down, but their their coach and their team is still still has talented players. And it wouldn't surprise me, Eric, catch me if I'm wrong here, it wouldn't surprise me if UCLA wins that opening round game against the Trojans and gives Oregon a, a, a tough battle. Not to say that Oregon's going to lose, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if that first game is, is tight and close. Oh, absolutely. UCLA – has dealt with what Oregon has dealt with for the entirety of the season. Basically they're they've lost like three of their seven best players and charisma Osborne is as good of a perimeter player as there is in the conference. And if she gets hot, it could get dicey. Um, and again, I'm with, I'm with Jared, like Jared made a good point. I, I mean, if Oregon hits some perimeter shots, like if Sydney Parrish, who kind of snapped out of a really big shooting slump against Utah hit four threes and a couple at the end of the game, like if that materializes and if she if she yeah. has like a really strong I I don't want to put it all on her shoulders because it's other players too that have to hit those shots but if Sydney Parrish hits three or more threes in a in a game I think Oregon's undefeated I think Jared and I looked that setup um, so like if she can go out and do that like that changes things for Oregon but like there's also no reason to think like UCLA can't really com- be competitive like they're a really talented team with a lot of highly regarded recruits and and as you said Corey Close is. Might not be Kelly Graves' favorite coach in the conference, but she's a really good women's basketball coach. So I expect those games to be – I expect that game to be competitive. Like, I think if you were you'd probably rather see USC than UCLA. Yeah. I just don't know if that's the way it plays out. USC has a bunch of really good young players, but they're pretty poorly – I don't want to say poorly coached because that's not fair, but they're they're not necessarily as consistent as, as UCLA has been. So UCLA is playing a little better down the stretch, by the way. Oregon beat them by about 15 up here um, a couple weeks ago, but they've, they've kind of rattled off some – impressive showings and I lost a few, but they've been better of late than they were uh, midway through the year. And in part, that's just because I've gotten a little healthier. All right. When we come back um, from break, we're going to discuss more about what we think will happen 
in Las Vegas for the women and why you need to be paying attention to this tournament this week. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to the Austin Audible's podcast, getting you ready for this weekend's women's basketball tournament. Um, Oregon, I think one of just two teams in conference play to have three all-conference players. Um, that's a, a, a pretty special, distinguished accomplishment for this team. Pow uh, Pow, Sobley, and Rogers all, all get all-conference honors. Maddie Shear was an all-defensive uh, honorable mention player, which kind of surprised me. Honorable mention, she's better than than what the recognition that she got. Um, but just expectations, I I mean, how do we see? We've all said it, it, it's probably to win, but is that what plays out? Do you, do you guys feel like that's in the cards here? I like the matchup with Washington State or Utah better than I like the matchup with UCLA, which is weird to say considering the seed lines. So I think if you get by UCLA, I feel better about just from a matchup perspective of kind of the way those teams play of beating Washington State or Utah. Um, I also, as Jared said, like Washington State played its worst game of the season and Oregon played one of its best where they were hitting perimeter shots. So I expect if they do have a reunion, it's not going to be a 50-point game. And shoot, it'll probably be a single-digit game that's pretty close throughout because Washington State's got too much pride to just roll over and get destroyed again. Um, and clearly they're playing good basketball because I think they won six straight after that loss. Um, so, no, I, I think my – if I'm making a prediction, I think Oregon will make the will make the Pac-12 championship game, and I think they'll lose to Stanford. I think they'll perform – I think they'll play another strong game against Stanford. I don't see them getting run out of the building. But I will also say, like, the part of the reason they played really well in Eugene – was they shot the ball well from three. And if they don't shoot the ball well from three, there's no reason to expect Stanford can't open it up a little bit. Um, Stanford's a tough matchup. They really are. I mean, Haley Jones is, is one of the – I mean, she was packed to a player of the year for a reason. Oregon doesn't have an answer for her, really. And Maddie Shear was who was guarding her for a lot of that game. And, if she, again, if she's kind of in and out, that's a problem. Um, and Cameron Brink, I know, didn't play very well up in Eugene against Oregon. But she can really change a game with her length and kind of if she's able to neutralize Niara, it becomes a, if Oregon isn't hitting threes, it's kind of, a, it's kind of overdeal. So um, I'll predict they reach the championship game. I won't predict they win. I think that would be like, I can see, I can see a path to it. Certainly like it could happen, mm -hmm. but I, I would say it's like 10%, 15% that they're able to pull it out just because I think Stanford's really, really good. And as the defending national champions, like certainly one of the two or three teams capable of winning the entire NCAA tournament. So that's a tough ask for an Oregon team that I know has played well up to its competition, 
but has also like lost games to teams that aren't going to be in the big dance too. Jared, if, if so, Eric is saying that they get to the championship game, but they don't win. What what would be the the reason they would win it? If in your eyes, win the championship game, yeah, yeah. I mean, if if they get there again, it comes down to shooting. It comes down to if they can make a perimeter shot. If I mean, if Sydney Parish, if you could if you could mark down on the books right now that Sydney Parish could hit four threes in that game, that shows me that Oregon is going to have a chance to win it. Um, obviously, like Eric was saying earlier, you don't want to put it all on her shoulders because that's extremely unfair. Um, but she is an extremely big difference maker in games where Oregon performs well and Oregon doesn't. Um, with her ability to stretch the floor when she's on, that, again, creates these open driving lanes for Tahina Pow Pow and India Rogers. And some of their strengths are driving to the basket. I would say Tahina's ability to drive to the basket is biggest strength. And... But when she's not hitting her shot, you know, defenses can sag off her. They can let her shoot, knowing that there's not that great of a chance that it's going in. But if she catches fire against Stanford in that championship game, that's um, going to just open up lanes for other other players. And that helps Sabli, that helps Rogers and Pow Pow. It can help Shear on a drive to the basket, which she's been doing more recently. Um, but all, all the players that I just listed as well also need to hit their jumpers. Because if they can't hit them, then they only need to pay attention to one person. So it, it really comes down to if Oregon can hit perimeter jump shots. Um, same with, you know, Elise Hurst off the bench needs to find her stroke going. And that's honestly, I mean, Oregon's going to play good defense. You know, Eric mentioned Haley Jones, who's one of the most underrated players in the country. Even though she won Pac-12 Player of the Year, she still might not get the national recognition that she deserves. Um, she's really damn good and but Oregon is going to play hard defense on her and Brink and everybody else that they have accumulated over the years so it's going to be a close matchup if they get to the championship game but perimeter jump shooting is the way that they pull it out and win the tournament all right the the Ducks women's team goes into Vegas in a di entirely different position than the men they don't have to play their way into the NCAA tournament. They are they are safely in the dance. It's now all about um, seeding and can you get into that echelon of the bracket where you host um, and are you playing for a, a West regional? Are you playing for, you know, to get away from playing in the East where it's so far away from home? Um, Eric, just – your thoughts on what's at stake uh, for Oregon um, from an NCAA tournament perspective? Because they could lose, they could lose their opening round game and know that confidently they're in the dance. Yeah, for them, it's all about being a top four seed, being one of the sixteen best teams in the country. If you get that, you get the right to host the opening games, and that's a huge advantage in women's college basketball. Um, I mean, we can argue if that's fair or not, if they should move to regional sites like you see in the men's tournament, but. Regardless, this is the way the rules are. And for Oregon, you want to be one of those 16 teams. It, it makes things a lot easier for you. Um, again, right now, according to Charlie Cream, and this surprised, I've already said it surprised me a little bit, Oregon is considered, the, I think, the 16th team, the last team in there. Um, and so if I think if Oregon wins its opening two games and plays in the conference championship, I think you're pretty confident they're hosting. Um, 
because they'd have one loss to Stanford and they'd have a win over UCLA who isn't going to be in the field, but is still a top 55 net team and a win over you probably have, if in terms of NCAA tournament stuff, you'd actually probably rather play Utah because Utah, I think, is 25th in the net and Washington State's like 60th in the net. But regardless, you'd have two wins over teams that are like top 50, top 60 in the net, which are not, those are decent wins. Those are helpful. Those don't hurt you. Um, Oregon is 12th in the net ranking. Um, I think if they win those two games and lose to Stanford, they probably stand pat. Maybe they move up a spot. Maybe they move down a spot, but it's not drastic. So I think if they reach the championship game, they're safely a top four seed, or I would expect that. Um, if they were to somehow lose or before that, I shouldn't say somehow, but if they were to lose before that, I think you would, I would argue they're probably not hosting. Um, certainly if they lose to UCLA, you're not hosting. Um, if you, maybe there's a little bit of a gray area if you beat UCLA and then you beat, or sorry, you lose to Utah because Utah would be considered a quality loss, I guess, as a top 25 net team. I don't know. I think I really think your path is make it simple on yourself. Get to the championship game. I think you're safely hosting. If you beat Stanford, there might be a small outside chance of being able to play in Spokane, um, which would be a big win. Um, Spokane is being the the West Coast regional. The difference here, I think, is they don't want to have because Stanford would be the number one seed there. They've already basically locked that up. You don't want to be a four seed because if you're a four seed, that means you'd face Stanford in the Sweet 16. And the NCAA tournament does not want to have a Sweet 16 matchup between Pac-12 teams. They just don't. I mean, I know, I know the men got that last year in what was a kind of a ridiculous thing where they played USC in the Sweet 16. They don't want to. They, they, they try to avoid that. If Oregon though were a three seed, you might be able to. The committee might convince itself that hey, let's keep them in Spokane, and they would then be able to play in Kelly Graves' old stomping grounds where I went to school, which would be, by the way, for this reporter, quite a win because that means I would stay in Eugene to cover games and then I could drive up to Spokane and crash with a couple of my college friends and go watch them play um, at a, an arena I'm very familiar with. But I think that option is pretty slim, and I'm not even totally convinced that, that it takes place even if they were to win the three games in Las Vegas, which, as we've said, I think is probably pretty unlikely, but, but could happen. I think – one the only way that the NCAA would be okay with the idea of Oregon and say Stanford in that scenario meeting in the Sweet 16 is if the Pac-12 has like six or more teams that get into the NCAA tournament, um, because that would basically make it almost impossible uh, from a seating perspective to place it where you can't you can guarantee yourself there's no chance a Pac-12 team plays another Pac-12 team um, in the Sweet 16 of the of the NCAA tournament. So, it, I mean, Jared, how good is the league here uh, in the in the eyes of the tournament? Is there enough games where Oregon could get into that scenario? Like, is the quality of opponent that good in in the, in the tournament for Oregon to to improve their NCAA resume that much? Oh, for sure. I mean, Eric just kind of outlined, you know, that Utah is a top 25 in the net rating. Um, but I think the biggest way to improve their NCAA tournament standing is to beat Stanford. I think it's pretty much as simple as that. Um, Eric just went through it. And if they were to, you know, lose in the championship game, that they were to get, if they were to get there to Stanford, they'd probably stay around that 12 or maybe jump up to 11 or 10 in the net rating. Um, it's not a significant jump, but Oregon already finds themselves in a pretty ideal scenario. Um, I don't know the other team's records off the top of my head, but I'd have to imagine they're one of the few 10 lost teams inside the top 15 near the top 10. 
the um, only one. Which They're proves, the only one. yeah, which which proves to the depth of the Pac-12 um, and the out-of-conference schedule that Oregon has played this season. Um, so it's going to be hard to really improve it, other than beating Stanford, and even then. They're just going to move up just a, a couple of spots at the very most, just because the top 10 and in, in the net rating probably aren't going to lose in their respective conferences until they you know, play one another in the national championship game, similar to how Stanford and Oregon might end up going. Um, so Oregon basically just has to win the games they're expected to win, which is the first, you know, the first two games against, you know, probably UCLA and then maybe Washington state and maybe Utah. Um, if they win those two, then they'll solidify themselves. Maybe they get up to Spokane for Eric, go Zags, but maybe <laughs> maybe they don't. And you know, we'll, you know, we'll have we'll eventually find out on on, on the selection Sunday where they're actually going. Um, but in terms of solidifying their case, um, they're already there. They just have to beat the teams that they need to beat. And if they beat Stanford, then you know that's just it's almost like getting extra credit on a test. It's great. It moves you up a bit, but it's not, you know, it's not going to save the end of the world when you already have an A in the class. Paxwell Women's Tournament starts Wednesday, March 2nd, which is today. Uh, 12 p.m. game or 12 p.m. is the first game. Colorado five seed against the 12 seed Washington Huskies. Uh, four days on Wednesday, four games on Thursday. And then we get into the semifinals on Friday. Um, I like how the league also gives a day off um, on Saturday. And then the Pac-12 championship game will be played Sunday, March 6th, 3 p.m. Pacific time on ESPN2. Every other game across the the conference tournament will be played on the Pac-12 networks. So hopefully you have that channel. Uh, make sure to read these guys' uh, coverage of these games. Um, like we said, Oregon's first game won't be until Thursday at 6 o'clock. Uh, they'll play the winner of UCLA, who's the 7th seed, and USC, who is the 10th seed. If you want to watch that game, uh, that's on Wednesday at 6 o'clock. Uh, actually, today at 6 o'clock uh, on the Pac-12 Networks. So, um, guys, just parting thoughts real quick of just – this tournament and uh, and going into it. I think one other thing I'm kind of cautious, I'm kind of watching for is what happens with Arizona. Um, if we're not talking Oregon related, yeah. Kate Reese, who's their best player, was on the all-conference team leading score, was hurt against Washington State about a week ago. Didn't play in the last couple of games. They lost one of those games, didn't play very well in the other. I think they're kind of reeling a little bit. And if you're Oregon, if Arizona gets knocked out early, could you possibly leap Arizona, who's, by the way, a three-seed, according to Cream, um, in the bracket? And maybe that opens up something for Oregon in terms of moving up the seed line if they do get to play Stanford. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on Arizona, who's largely because of injury, but has kind of had their season fall off the rails a little bit. Like, if I think if Reese is healthy, Oregon's probably not the two-seed. They're probably the three-seed. And you have a rematch with Arizona set up in the semis. Um, instead, it kind of played out perfectly, where, again, you play Washington State, who you – trash pretty good a couple about a month ago and Arizona's on the other side of the bracket who by the way beat Oregon as soundly as anyone this season I mean just totally took them yeah. I mean beat them really badly down in Tucson you should avoid them unless unless Arizona upset Stanford which if Reese is not healthy is just not going to happen so I think keep an eye on what happens with the Wildcats they're kind of an interesting team to follow here with, with what's going on with their star player 
I think I'm just looking at how Oregon comes out in the first game against either USC or UCLA. Um, a five-day layoff in between. Um, they played, you know, at one point they played six games in 13 days in the month of February. Um, just a lot of run time on the court. Yeah. Um, maybe Kelly Graves and company and the coaching staff figures out a way to solidify better ball movement, get the flow of the offense going in this short amount of time, um, just really uh, put the em emphasis in that practice. Um, but, you know, it all comes down to how they actually play in the game. Um, but those are just the, the, like the one or two things that I'm looking for that and just, you know, how they, sh how they shoot in a new stadium. If it's any different, maybe the bad juju from Matthew Knight Arena is gone. And now that they're playing not at home, which is scary when you think that they might host a regional game in Matthew Knight. <laughs> but maybe maybe the bad juju is gone for this NC or this Pac-12 tournament and they can uh, find some of their range back and get some get some players going. It's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. Thank you for listening to this preview of the women's basketball tournament. Uh, and for your people that are looking for football content, we've got another one coming up tomorrow uh, focusing on the defensive line ahead of spring football. But make sure to read full coverage of the Pac-12 Women's Tournament uh, in Las Vegas on DuckTerritory.com. We'll have uh, coverage as Oregon goes throughout the tournament, hopefully to that Pac-12 championship game. Until our next one, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. Drag queens save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.